Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. America! The Nightcap. Hey, man! USA, baby! Woo! That's what America's all about, T. Right here, this is the USA! Relax! Oh, I'm gonna sit through Oh, you gonna throw with me? Little actor boy, you wanna go to the Patriots? Get your bed. Get your bed and go. Okay? Because I'll throw down. I'll throw down any day of the week. Get your little man and drive out of my face, okay? Before I go America, all over your Nobody can stop the USA. Yeah. But that's not I am talking about freedom. About choice. America, I don't think you need to worry. Because if you want to beat China, you will. If you don't, that's fine. That, my friend is your victory. Who do you play for? Play for the United States of America. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Man, the NBA draft is basically pure chaos. Right? I mean, I hate to start, I mean, half my shows a year talking about how great the NBA is compared to other sports, but I mean, it's another example. All the action. Actually, you know what? This isn't like a unique thing to them. I would say the other drafts, there's a lot of action as well. Baseball, though, I don't really know what's going on there, Uh, but there's a lot of action in the NHL draft, a lot of action in the NFL draft, but I feel like it's a little ramped up in the NBA. Uh, The NBA draft is starting in 20 minutes. I think it's a 7.30 start. Um, so we'll keep you updated on that throughout the night. A lot of stuff I think is pretty obvious of what's going to happen. Like the first, second, and third pick. I think we already know. William, Zion Williamson's going to go to the Pelicans at one. John Morant is going to go two. Uh, RJ Barrett's going to go three to the Knicks. And then, you know, some stuff opens up after that. Um, so I'll keep you updated on that throughout the night. But, um, the more interesting stuff will break in with any big trades, which tend to happen a lot, uh, during the NBA draft. So we'll let you know when that happens. About 20 minutes away from that. Um, NHL Draft is tomorrow. And me and Brayton Wilson will be hosting coverage. So stay tuned or uh, tune in for that tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. We'll be all we'll taking you all the way through the first round as the Sabres pick in the final pick of the first round. Which is like, you know, you wouldn't have wanted the Blues pick to be 31st. You would have preferred it to be 16th, 17th, 18th. But, you know, you got to find some positives in the fact that it's not like... Me and Brayton especially, we'll be sitting in there, we'll be hosting coverage, and a lot of times in these drafts, the Sabres and Bills, they're picking in the top 15, and they make their pick, and then they're done for the night, and you got to fill time. You talk to the prospect, you hear from the GM and the coach, and tomorrow at least there'll be some more intrigue. It's like, all right, we picked 7th, or maybe they made a trade, and we're waiting until 31. All right, we still got something to do, Who's who could be left there, who do we want to be left there? So uh, there'll be some nice intrigue uh, going on in the NHL draft tomorrow. Sabres pick 7th and 31st. As of now, there are reports, there are rumors. 
that the Canucks are trying to trade up. I'm not really sure what that would be for, but there uh, was a report from Elliot Friedman last night that they have spoken to the Sabres and the Red Wings about trading up. The Sabres are at 7, Red Wings at 6, the Canucks are at 10, so it would only be moving up a couple of spots. Lots of draft stuff tonight on the show. I'm going to have Brayton Wilson on with me. He released his first mock draft tonight, or uh, earlier today, and you can check that out on our website at WGR550.com, see who he's got the Sabres taking, see if he's got Jack Hughes going number one. I wouldn't say it's a surefire thing to happen. There's some doubt. He's probably going first, but there is some doubt. I'd love to see a trade. Guys come out and say that. I'd love to see a trade. I almost don't even really care who they pick at seven. Because it seems to me there's a group of guys there that everyone has a little bit of a different opinion on. But it sounds like there's a tier of guys that the Sabres will get one of them with the seventh pick. And they all could be really good. They all could be pretty good. Like, they're all kind of close together. So I don't really know if I have a big preference there. If I did have a preference, it would be for the defenseman. Bowen Byram, he's the top Canadian in the draft. He's the number one defenseman in the draft. I think he's the only defenseman that's being consistently mocked in the top 10 at all. But even though he's in that tier, I find it hard to believe he'll be sitting there for the Sabres at 7, considering he's the only defenseman. And if anybody ahead of the Sabres wants a defenseman, he's going to be the guy that gets taken. So what are the odds six forwards go ahead of you? I would think not great. But if he's sitting there, that would definitely be my number one guy that I'd like to see them get. Past that, like I like the Caulfield idea. I'm not afraid of it because he's 5'7". Um, I think it's intriguing. I think the offensive dynamic uh, ability that he has is certainly something that I'd like to see them go after. He's a different type of offensively dynamic, though. He gets compared to Alex Dabrinkit a lot because of his size, and I'm not sure if it's just because of that, but his playing style is really similar as well. Dabrinkit, who... You've probably seen a lot of, I would think, Chicago's on TV every other night. He is a very good player. I mean, he is a 40-goal scorer already in the NHL. But he's really, like, he's a finisher. He's a goal scorer. And if he's not doing that, he's really not doing much for you. Now, he does do that, so that's why he's becoming a star player in the league. But he makes his money by shooting the puck. And that's not always the case, I feel like, with the smaller players. Usually they're danglers. They got the filthy hands. And Caulfield liked to brink it. I'm not quite sold that he has that ability. I don't think he has bad hands by any means. But, like I said, if he gets drafted 7th by the Sabres or goes in the top 10, uh, it's going to be solely because of his ability to, to score. His ability to finish. And I'm, not, I'm okay with that. I think that fits well if you were to project out long term what the Sabres are looking at now. If you're going to project that long-term, in a perfect world, you'd have Eichel, Skinner, and Reinhardt. That line is set. You know that line is good together. You know that those three players work well together. Eichel is the puck possession guy who can shoot and can play make. Reinhardt is the net front presence guy who has some other stuff to his game, as we saw last year. He can carry it. He can shoot. Um, but he's going to make his money in front of the net. Skinner is the rebound guy. He's kind of floating around. He's finishing. He's got the one of the elite shots on the team. Um, and that fits well together. What else could you project long-term? Ideally, you would have liked to say, hey, I got Casey Middlestat. And if he becomes the player everyone wants and thinks he can be, what is he? He's not a 40-goal scorer. He's a playmaking center who's helping other guys on his wings get to 40 goals. If Middlestat becomes the player, I think we all hope 
and a lot of people project him to. His stat line probably looks something like 25 goals and maybe 40 assists, 45 assists. Like, that's what you want out of Casey Middlestad. And when Tage Thompson was brought here, I liked the idea of him because I thought that meshed well long-term with Middlestad's style. Big shot, just can rip it, and big body. But, but more so, like, I was thinking about the fit for his shot and how big it is. It's a cannon. But I think as we saw in his rookie year, you can have a big shot, but that doesn't mean you have a great shot. And I think that's where we're sitting at right now with Tage Thompson. If they could find a way to improve the accuracy on that thing, or if they can find a way for him to reel it in a little bit, maybe take a little less off it to get some more accuracy, then I think that might benefit him. But if Caulfield has this elite ability to shoot, well then I think long term, that's the perfect line mate for a guy like Casey Middlestad. And I don't need him to be here this year. I don't need him to be as good a player. I don't need him to be a star right away in his rookie year. But if you told me three, four years down the line that I'm going to have Casey Middlestad and I'm going to have Cole Caulfield on my team, I think that's a really good fit. It's a really good mix. But like I said, a lot of those guys have positives and negatives in that same grouping. So even if it's not Caulfield, if they were to pass on him for Kirby Doc or one of these other guys that I'm not, I haven't really read too much into yet, I don't think I'd be offended by it. I don't think I'd really be mad about it. And... Like, when they drafted Middlestat, I'm not a huge NHL draft guy. Like, Brayton's the one that's watching the film. Brayton's staying up on these guys over the course of the year. He's the one doing the mock drafts. I'd stay with it as much as possible. But there's a reason that he's the one doing the mock draft and not me. Because last year, or two years ago, when they drafted Middlestat, I didn't think I liked that. I thought I hated that idea at the time. And that doesn't have to work. But so far, like, he is... a he is a really exciting looking player, and uh, I'm obviously glad that they did that. But anyways, Caulfield and the defenseman, Byram, those would be my favorite ideas. But as I started that with, trade. Why not? They're in a spot where we're in an eight-year playoff drought, and they're not in a full rebuild. This would be different if you were in a drought and you also didn't have the pieces to be competitive right away. But I think what that 10-game win streak really showed last year is their top-end talent does have the capabilities of playing well against some of the top players in the league, playing you know at a level that is up at the top of the league. And even though they might not have the ability to do it over an 82-game season, all of them, we saw that they were able to do it over 10 games. All you need is a little more support. All you need is a few more guys that can maybe, you know, when, when Skinner slows down at the end of the season, another guy that can pick up the, pick up the slack. When Eichel has to miss a few games, or Reinhardt has to miss a few games, can, do you have somebody that can slide in there to number one center and take hold of that job and not really embarrass yourself in it. And they didn't really have that last year. You get that only one of two ways, I think, this offseason. I think you either have to trade Rasmus Ristolainen, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I like the idea of it if you're getting a top six guy. Or seven. You could probably get something really good on the short term by trading the seventh overall pick. I wouldn't want to make a habit of doing that. The Penguins are a team that always sticks out for me as a team that almost every year they seem to trade their first-round pick. 
for either a rental at the deadline or they're out trying to get Phil Kessel or Jerome Ginlaw or like or way back when Bill Guerin. Like they always are trading their first round pick, it seems, for guys that are going to help them on the short term. And what has happened as a result is Pittsburgh now that they have their star players into their 30s. And their top defenseman, Chris Letang, has some injuries. And Marc-Andre Fleury is no longer there. What's happened is they've had no prospect system whatsoever with high-end prospects. I mean, they come to town at that prospect challenge at the Sabres host. And you don't know who anybody is. Even even me. Even Brayton. Like, the guys that are studying these prospects to one end or to one aspect or another. And I don't want to become that. But... Doing it here, I think, makes a lot of sense. You have a GM that I think is one bad year away from maybe being out. You have a core of players that are already frustrated with the losing that I think would really get behind this type of move where you're bringing in a star player or a near-star player to help you win right away. Eichel would probably love that idea. Reinhardt would love that idea. I'm sure you can... Sell them to some extent on, hey, Caulfield, three years, you'll see. This guy's going to be a stud. Four years. When he hits his prime, he'll be really good. Well, what's Eichel thinking? He's thinking, I'm 22. I've been in the league for four or five years now. And I haven't come close to winning. And young players do it all the time now in the league. Nathan McKinnon, second round for the Avalanche. Two playoff seasons. Austin Matthews, two playoff seasons. Connor McDavid almost reached the Western Conference Finals. Even these guys, they're getting a little bit of a taste. They're not quite, they're not winning the cup, but they're getting a little taste of success. And we haven't had any of that yet here. So I could totally see a move like that. You trade seven, and what do you get? Jacob Truba, a number one defenseman, a top pair defenseman. He's not a number one, but he's probably a two. He's a top pair guy. He gets traded for. A third pair guy and 20. The 20th pick. So what does 7 get me? Maybe the guy 7 would get you isn't available. And that's maybe where this falls apart. But I don't know. I'm keeping an eye on Vancouver right now. Because there are two separate rumors involving them and the Sabres. And I wonder if there's a connection there. And I wonder what level of player you could pry from their hands. Jim Benning is their general manager. He's one of the GMs. That like there's there's a few GMs in the league that I always think of. Oh yeah, I could take advantage of that guy. Mark Bergevin has made a lot of dumb trades. He was one. Peter Shirelli was obviously always one. He was everybody's favorite. And I always kind of consider Jim Benning in that same territory. So with that being said, they don't really have a lot of those middle tier pieces that I think the Sabres would really want to go for. Like they don't have a a Jimmy VC. Or a Jason Zucker. I don't really think they have that level of guy. I think they have a lot of stuff below that. And they have a few pieces above that. You're not touching Elias Patterson. I'm not even going to go there. Besser, almost for sure, I would say no. But there are some reports that... There are some conflicting reports on whether they're actually close on a contract extension or not. He's going to be a restricted free agent. There are rumors he could be offer-sheeted. Uh, not as many as Marner, probably. But there are some rumors he could be offer-sheeted. And... Then there's the other player that I think is really, really interesting for the Sabres, and I think maybe you could get him. Maybe you could get him. Bo Horvat. Now, if the rumors are true 
that the Canucks have spoken to the Sabres about trying to move up from 10 to 7. And if they're also, the other report we had earlier in the week is true, that they've talked to the Sabres about a defenseman, whether that be Rasmus Ristolainen or Zach Bogosian. Well, maybe I can connect the two. Maybe those don't have to be separate things. Maybe they could be part of the same conversation, the same trade. If Vancouver is trying to accomplish two things here, remember, I'm only trying to accomplish one thing if I'm the Sabres. If I'm trading two pieces like that, all I want is a star player, probably at forward. So I'm just trying to accomplish that. You, Vancouver, you're trying to accomplish two things. You're trying to move up in the first round, and you're also trying to solidify your back end, which has a lot of issues. Maybe as many as the Sabres, if not more. Like, they don't have a lot there. Tanev uh, might be their top defenseman. Well, they brought back Adler, who's pretty good. But they don't have a lot there. Marco Delzato plays big minutes. Ristolainen, and this is why I always, I'm always i intrigued by him as a, as a trade asset. It's not because I don't like him. It's not because I don't think he's a good player. I think he's a very good second-pair defenseman. But, And I'd rather have him on my team than Zach Bogosian or Marco Scandella. But when it comes to accomplishing what the Sabres need to accomplish, they don't have a lot to offer. He is one thing that you have to offer that I think you can live without. That I think you can do a better job of replacing than this other thing that I'm trying to get. Bo Horvat. That might not be completely unrealistic. I mean, he's not a superstar. He had a really good year last year. 61 points, 27 goals in a full season. The year before... 22 goals, 22 assists for 44 points. The year before that, 20 goals, 32 assists for 52 points. The year before that, 16 goals, 24 assists for 40 points. He's almost taken like a Sam Reinhart type of development, where he kind of started slow, 25 points his first season. Then, you know, he became a 40, 50-point guy, and I'm sure Vancouver was wondering, like, eh, he's good, but we could move on from him if we really thought we can get something great in return. Then that fifth year, he shows up, and boom, there's 60 points. His best year. I think he made the all-star team and if he didn't last year he made the year before he's made an all-star team I think it was last year and now but now they've got two things they want to accomplish Elias Patterson shows up and he's playing a lot of center and he's their number one guy maybe I can pry Bo Horvat out of there that's the type of idea I think you need to be looking at tomorrow night if you're the Sabres and if you don't think you can accomplish that I don't need them to trade seven for some uh lesser player than that. Like, I'm not even sure I'd want them to do that for a Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I think I would, but, yeah, I think I would do it for Nugent Hopkins. Those are pretty, two pretty close players, Horvat and him. But anything lower than that, I'm not even sure. I don't think I'm moving that pick at all. 31, that's a different story. If you think you can get a lesser player along the, the, those lines, like a lesser player than a Horvat, maybe a 45-point guy instead of a 60-point player, then maybe that's the type of idea you go for if you're trying to trade 31. But I'd like to see them make a trade tomorrow. You've got two first-round picks. One is a lot more valuable than the other. I get that. But I'd like to see them do something that shows, hey, we know that we still need to replenish the prospects. We need to replenish the young core. But at the same time, it's our 50th anniversary. Jack Eichel's entering year five. Is that right, year five? Reinhardt's entering his own. He's playing great. Dalene was great as a rookie. We think he can be really good this year. Damn it, we're going to go try to win. Do they do a move like that tomorrow? Do you want them to do a move like that tomorrow? 
is the phone number. Let me know what you think. We'll get lots of uh, draft content in along the way. Brayton Wilson's going to join me at 8 o'clock. And, uh, you know, some reaction to the NHL awards last night. I saw a lot of complaining about Jordan Bennington, and I don't want to rant on it, but I got some thoughts on that. Like, y'all need to stop with the with the age thing, I think. It's rookie of the year. It's not youngest player. Best young player of the year. But I think there's a way that we can maybe have two things like that. So I'll get into that a little bit more uh, as we progress. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi. We want your calls at 803-0550. Call in now. We'll get you during the break, and we'll get you on right in the next segment. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Here on WGR. Silly, but Colson, another player here that you know on the yacht talking to us uh, <laughs> through a translator. <laughs> yeah, excellent, explosive player, close to a complete package. Really works hard on every shift, has a real good attitude. I know he's signed uh, in Russia for two more years, but he told us constantly that he wants to become an NHL player. He wants to play in the NHL. That's what you need to hear from those players. Mike Moriel, NHL.com. With Shope and the Bulldog earlier. I was hoping they'd get a Taylor Hall question in there. Forgot about that. Still wondering if that guy's available. Uh, anyways, he was talking about Vasily Podkols in there, who is going to be playing in the KHL for the next two years, but a lot of people think he's the top. A lot of people have him ranked third in this draft, um, but he's being mocked lower than that. Our Brayton Wilson on our website at WGR550.com has him going 16th to the Avalanche. Out of that fear that he maybe never comes over, which you know that absolutely could happen, but but Colson seems to be doing the right things to make people know, like, hey, I'm going to the KHL for the next two years to develop, and I make more money there than I would in the minors or juniors here, obviously. But I'm coming. Like he's trying to make that clear. I think he's got a North American agent, which is a great first step in that department, and he's telling people he's here, he's doing all the draft stuff. He's like, yeah, I'm coming, and. It's not like he's just sitting over in Russia, I think, working out over there and not talking to anybody because I think that happens a lot too. Um, so I'd be intrigued by Pud Colson at 7, but it's still a little risky for me to want to do it there. If he was sitting there at 31, I'd love to do that, but I don't think he'll be still hanging around at that point. 8030550 is the phone number. If you got any thoughts on the draft or any trade discussions we've been talking about here, Ristolainen uh, most notably. We want your calls at 803-0550. Let's roll through some right now. Let's go to Rich. Rich, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Good afternoon. Um, I'm, I, I, I hope we get rid of uh, Ristolainen because we can't get rid of the losing culture. And I, I can't understand why uh, Batrog did Larson and Gergertson's contract, you know, the one-year thing. We can't get rid of the losing culture. The thing I'm looking uh, forward to tomorrow on the draft is I want somebody like I don't want Caulfield. He's too small. He, he, I don't care how many goals he scores. Three. Oh, you said you don't care how many goals he scores? I mean, I get if you want the culture part of it, or not the culture part of it, if you want the bigger guy, that's fine, but you you, you can't not care how many goals he scores. It's the most important thing, isn't it? 
Yeah, but in three years, I mean, these guys are getting bigger and stronger. No, 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 dude. Whoa, 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 dude. Guys are getting smaller and faster. Alex DeBrinket is 5'6 and scored 40 goals. That would have never happened 10 years ago, 15 years. Well, St. Louis did it, but that was about it. I would like to get I, – I know we're not, not going to get Turcotte. I think Chicago's going to get him. I agree. I'd like to get that kid from uh, the UConn. I forgot his name. I'd like to get him because he seems like he could be a good fit for the Sabres. But just in general, I, I, I want us to get bigger and stronger and faster, and I don't want smaller. I don't want a smaller guy who's going to get wiped out by defensemen in three years. Rich, thanks for the call, man. I mean, I don't really give, I don't really care as much about the size part of it. Now, you threw in, you said bigger, faster, bigger, stronger, faster. I'd do it a completely different way. I would, like, what are the three aspects of the Sabres I want to get better? I don't need bigger, stronger. If you throw it on top, like, sure, I'll take it. I'll be optimistic if that's coming along with the other stuff I want. But I need speed, I need faster. I need better passers, and I need better goal scorers. I think if you improve in those three areas, the rest of it you're just going to forget about. And I'm not quite sure who the UConn kid is you're talking about. Um, I'll get that name to you if I... Uh, I'm scrolling through Brayton's uh, mock draft here, and I, I the, guy, the guy didn't ring a bell to me, and I don't see Brayton having anyone that goes to UConn going in the first round. Um, that could have been one of the development... Uh, team guys, so maybe it's that, but um, Zegris. Zegris, I think, is the guy you're talking about. Yeah, I like the idea of him. He's not overly huge anyway. He's like 6'1", but yeah, I like that idea. Let's go to Mike. Mike, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, uh, how about this? Instead of uh, you know, trading, how about we trade up? How about you get uh, the, the 7, the 31, and then throw in a guy like Middlestat for Jack Hughes. Go get him. If you're the Devils, would you do that? Hey, that's that's a question for them to answer. But 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 if you were the Devils and the, and I was the Sabers and I came at you and said, hey, I'll give you seven thirty one in Middlestead for Jack Hughes. Are you taking it? Maybe you got to th- sweeten the deal a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's where you, maybe that's where you throw Risto in. I thanks for the call, Mike. It's it's an idea. I never want to, you know, just. Spit in the face of anyone who wants to come at me with an idea like that. I like those big ideas, um, even if some of them are unrealistic. I did this. When the Sabres had second two overall, I think the next day I was thinking of, all right, what would it take to get McDavid? What, what would it take? What would Edmonton accept? Would they take Reinhardt, Ristolainen, and Eichel and two more first-round picks? Would they do that? So I don't hate your question. Um, realistically, I think if you wanted to get Jack Hughes, I don't think you're getting him unless you're giving them Jack Eichel, and we're not doing that. I mean, he's a, he's not quite, I think Hughes, I don't know if I want to qualify him as a generational talent, but whatever is a step below that, I think he's right. He's on the border. He's on the border of a generational talent. I mean, watch the kid play. When you see this kid play, which I know a lot of fans listening probably haven't because he plays in the USHL, which, you know, we don't see that that often. Every time I see him, he he is a spitting image of Johnny Goudreau. But he's a center, which is even better. And I think he's faster than Goudreau is. So I see Goudreau's career maybe plus some for him. Um, and if I'm the Devils, I'm not giving him up for almost anything. You could give me six or seven A-minus pieces. 
I think he might, he's an A plus, so I don't think I'm doing that. And unless you're giving me an A plus in return, and obviously the Sabers are not trading Jack Eichel, so I don't think there's any way to do it. But thanks for the call. Let's go to Tom. Tom, you're the nightcap. What's up? Yeah, how you doing? As we just saw from the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, the Big Blues defense just wore down the Boston Bruins, and Rasmus Ristolainen is our only example of a big, tough, physical defenseman that can move the puck, skate great. And if we do have a chance to make the finals in, say, three, four years, you know, he'd be a great piece. And right now the Sabres' defense is way too depleted to get rid of him and put everything on uh, Rasmus Dahlin's shoulders. Pagazi and Hurt, Jake McCabe, Pilot. you know, they're way too depleted. But there is only one player that I think would be of equal value to him, and that's P.K. Subban. If the Sabres could pull off that trade, they would look great. This guy is a superstar, and I don't think anybody else would be of equal value. Um, I don't hate it, and I also don't think it's completely unrealistic because I think Subban is available. Um, he's on. I think TSN's trade bait list they came out with yesterday. He was like in the top ten, but so you're saying you wouldn't want to do it regardless of what you're getting unless it's Subban. Like, what if I told you you're getting a Bo Horvat who's a sixty point center in return? You're still not doing it. Yeah, I guess for a good center. I mean, a really good center, but. But like I said, Ristolainen, he's the type that you send him somewhere else and then all of a sudden you've got the same Ryan O'Reilly situation. You know? I, I agree with that, but to me it's a little bit different in that I, I like Ristolainen. I don't disagree with your points. I think if the Sabres make the playoffs one day, I think we will all love Ristolainen in the playoffs. I think he'll be crushing people in the boards. He'll be getting to skirmishes after every whistle. I think he'll be putting up offense. Like I think he's built kind of for the playoffs. But at the same time, I don't think he's O'Reilly had the talent to be the best player on a team that won the Stanley Cup. And he had the talent to be a Conn Smythe winner. And Ristolainen, even though I don't disagree with you that I think if he went somewhere else like a good team, I think he could shine in the playoffs, I don't think he's driving the bus. You know what I mean? Like I think he goes somewhere. I don't think he's going to be the best defenseman on that team. He could be the final piece for Tampa Bay Lightning's puzzle. He could, but to me, and this is why I don't. I like the idea of trading him. And, and Tom, thanks for the call. Like I, the Sabers are not ready for that final piece. If that's what Ristolainen is to you, which I don't, I don't disagree with that. I think a team could absolutely view him as their final piece. I, go for it, because I'm not ready for my final piece yet. I need a lot more before I get to that. And I think he's proven that he can't be a top pair defenseman for you. So if you can find another team that thinks he can, maybe Vancouver thinks that. That's when you get the value for him. That's when you get that real value for him. And I, I do I don't mind that you mentioned Subban there. Um I love the player, but what is that cap hit? Is is that a nine million dollar cap hit, another one? I think he's very good. I think he's he's a borderline elite defenseman in the league. But I got a $9 million cap hit on my hands if I do that. Like, there's a reason Nashville would want out of that contract. And it has nothing to do with the player. It has something to do with the player. He's, he's, what is he? I do this with Poso a lot. Poso, everyone's like, oh, he shouldn't be on the team. $6 million a year, shouldn't be on the team. Well, he's not a $6 million player, but he's like a $2 million player. $2.5 million player. Subban, I think, he's not the $9 million player he's getting paid, but I think I'd want to say he's like six and a half or seven. Like he's really good still. Really good. I don't think he'll win a Norris again like he did with Montreal. 
But he's still a really good defenseman. And I think you'd have to go more anyway. I don't think you're getting you're not getting him straight up for Ristolainen. I mean, crazier things have happened, but I think you have to give up more. That would be an exciting move, right? Holy cow. If they just came out with that, holy cow. If <laughs> PK Subban was a saber. He's got a full no movement clause too, so I think you'd have to convince him uh you'd have to convince him to do that. Which I don't want to assume that you would be able to. I mean, he's on a team that's a Stanley Cup contender right now every year. And he'd be coming to a team that has the longest playoff drought in the league. So there's a lot of aspects to that idea that I think would uh, make it not work. But I don't mind it. Um, Horvat is, I think, the name I'm kind of locking in on, though, for this. And it, it has a lot to do with, if you missed the, the first segment of the show, there is two separate reports that the Sabres and Canucks are talking one from a guy from 650 uh, Sportsnet in Vancouver that says that they're talking about a defenseman, but he was not sure if it's Ristolainen or Bogosian. Either one of those I think I'd be okay with. If I'm trading Ristolainen, I think I'm getting one of those higher-end players on their team, which I like. If it's Bogosian, I'm getting a contract off my books that I've wanted off my books for five years, four years, whenever he came here. And there's also... The report from Elliot Friedman last night that the Canucks are trying to move up from 10 to 7 with the Sabres or even 6 if they can do it with the Red Wings, but they have spoken to both teams. And to me, if the Sabres and Canucks are having two discussions about two different ideas, well, maybe you can connect the two and you can let Vancouver accomplish both things that they want to do while also getting that one big thing that I think the Sabres should be searching for this offseason, which is a really good second-line center. And Vancouver has one of those. His name is Bo Horvat. And I would love to see a, a situation or a trade where you're able to get that done. 22 years old, I think he is, too. It's not like he's uh, one of these middle-aged guys. Like Marcus Johansson I brought up a lot, who's up in his upper 20s. We all talked about Kevin Hayes earlier, who's in his upper 20s. And that's not Horvat. Horvat is well, he's 24 years old. And he's got a really good contract, four more years at $5.5 bucks. So... I got a good contract on my hands, a really good player, and a young player in that. And he has no mo- no movement clause, no no-trade clause, so you can just get him if you uh, give up enough to do it. If I'm Vancouver, I don't think I want to do that, though. But, like I said, if they want to get Ristolainen and they also want to move up to one or move up to seven, I don't really see how else you're doing it. Here's their defensive core, by the way. Adler, Alex Adler, he's okay at this point. Point. Yeah, I think he's a little overpaid. They paid him today. They gave him a two-year, $6 million contract. He's 33. So, yeah, he's pretty good. Chris Tanev, he's 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 fine. He's definitely a second-pair guy at most. Uh, their third-highest-paid defenseman's name is Troy Stetcher, who I think is just the third-pair guy. I don't even know much about him. Quinn Hughes is going to be their stud. Um, you would, They would want him to be, I'm sure, their number one uh, defenseman, and I think he will become their number one defenseman. So they have their number one, but past that, man, it's Alex Biega. Do you remember him? He was like the Sabre prospect that I feel like was on the Amherst for 10 years and then finally went to uh, to Vancouver and got some games in the NHL, and that's about it. That's about it. Derek Pouliot? Like, what are we talking about? That's definitely a team I think that should want Ristolainen. And like I said, I don't really know how else they're getting him. Tyler Mott, like, these are players that I'm sure casual hockey fans and a lot of Sabre fans have never heard of. 
and I'm not I it's probably a bad way to do this. I don't want to trade Ristolainen for players that a lot of people have never heard of. Cuz to me that means you're not getting enough value for him or you're getting too many pieces uh in return. I don't want four or five guys for him, four or five pieces. I need two one or two really good pieces. 8030550 is the phone number. Thanks for the calls. We'll get more of them on the other side. 8030550 is the number. Read through some texts and tweets as well. At SneakyJoeWGR on Twitter. If you uh, are familiar or not with it, m- myself and a bunch of us here at the station, we're going to be playing in the 11-day power play again this season down at Harbor Center. Um, we skated last year, four-hour game. I had a lot of fun doing it, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. It'll be next month. I think it's July 11th that we're skating, and uh, we're looking for donations. So I want to be on this team, and we all got to reach a minimum, so I would appreciate your help. Uh, if you can do that, It's at, uh, you can find it on my Twitter. It's pinned at the top, at SneakyJoeWGR. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi. More next here on WGR. Nah, I think it's only one job, and that's the guy you're looking at right now. So I do watch a lot of point guards and study their game, and I just look at what they do in certain situations. Um, when do they attack and transition? Um, how do they come off ball screen? If I feel like they have anything in their game that can help my game out, um, I try to add it in. John Morant, if you're not familiar with who that is, he just became the second overall pick in the NBA draft, and actually the Knicks just made their pick as well. So we're three picks in. No surprises. Zion Williamson went one to the Pelicans. John Morant went two to the Grizzlies. So, so long, John Morant. Maybe you'll become a star, and we'll see you in 2027 when you become a free agent. Because I'm not watching the Memphis Grizzlies, and I'm sure a lot of you aren't. Third, R.J. Barrett to the Knicks. The Knicks. Look at them all, all these fans acting like they're happy when, what was it, three weeks ago, they were all acting like the world was ending, that they got three instead of one. And now, oh, we're happy, R.J. Barrett. Some fans, man, you just gotta, you gotta stay consistent. That's it. Look what happened. I I think about, I don't want, I don't want to do this, but it happened, it happens with every fan base. There was a time where it felt like 90% of Bills fans were outside Sal Capaccio's house with pitchforks and torches because he had the Bills mock he mocked the Bills taking Josh Allen. And I was here that day. People were not happy. People were not happy about that. And similarly, like when they drafted him, the Fieldhouse reaction, just go back and watch it. Go watch the Fieldhouse reaction by the preseason. I think I put a poll up. Would you rather have Sam Darnold or Josh Allen? Preseason. This is before the year. And it was way overwhelmingly in favor of Allen. You get you, you latch on to your guys. I get it. You support the guys that are on your team. But I don't know. It's hard for me to just go blindly support everything that happens with my team. And I think that's what I'm seeing these Knicks fans on TV doing right now. They're like, oh, yeah, we love that we got R.J. Barrett. Three weeks ago, they were throwing things because... They were mad that they got the third pick. Anyways, I think he's actually going to be really good, by the way. Quick NBA draft talk. Um, Barrett going into the year. Like, Zion was a viral star. In high school, he was almost as 
much of an athletic freak as he is now. And he was doing these insane dunks that like, you would never see guys in college do, let alone in high school. And he became like a viral star on social media and on the internet. And he ended up going to Duke. But going into the year, Barrett, also at Duke, was considered like the projected number one overall pick. When the college basketball season started, R.J. Barrett was a better NBA prospect than Zion Williamson. And Zion, to his credit, I mean, he's, he's going to be a phenomenon. He's going to be a superstar. He took over. But I think maybe a lot of the hype that was surrounding Barrett kind of got overshadowed by Zion. And I think that now that he's going to be on his own again, I think you're going to see why he was thought of as the number one overall pick. I, I think the Knicks actually did a really – like, they got a good thing here. You'd obviously rather have Zion, but I think they have at least one solid piece now. I don't think they have any others, and I don't think they're getting Kevin Durant, and I don't think they're getting Kyrie Irving. And I don't really think they're getting Jimmy Butler. Like, I don't think they're going to do anything. They're probably not going to do anything either. There was a report yesterday that the Knicks, in their trade talks with the Pelicans, who in the Pelicans allowed, I think, teams to talk to Anthony Davis, they were already trying to court him for free agency in 2020. Well, here's the thing, Knicks. We can all see through that because if you're trying to convince Anthony Davis to come to you in free agency in 2020, well, that means you're going to have a max contract left over. And if that's the case, that means you're not signing one or certainly not two superstars this offseason. So if there's any Nick fans out there that are still thinking, hey, I might get Kevin Durant, I might get Kyrie Irving or Kemba Walker or Jimmy Butler, it's starting to trend as though they're not going to get anybody and you're going to have a really bad year and hoping R.J. Barrett becomes a superstar, at least for one year. So that's where uh, where they stand. Spike Lee on here too. When's the last Spike Lee? I'm young. I get it. What has he done? I know he's a director. But, like, what has he done anything recently that I would know? Is he just famous because he's a Knicks fan? I know he's not really. But it seems like a lot of his, uh, a lot of his good stuff came a long time ago. And it's almost uh, representative of what the Knicks are. Yeah, I hear about how they used to be super good, but... I mean, they've been a laughing stock for 20 years now. Like, at some point, you're just a laughing stock. And I think that's where they're at. 803 is the phone number. Keep you updated on the NBA draft. There haven't really been any serious trades yet um, since at least we got started. Obviously, the fourth overall pick, the Lakers sent to New Orleans. Um, and then New Orleans sent it to the Hawks. So the Lakers are technically on the clock right now, but that this pick will ultimately be heading to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, which I think means the Anthony Davis trade is essentially completed because even though it's not official, the Pelicans traded a pick that they don't officially have yet. So I think that makes the Anthony Davis trade a thing. This is why the NBA is so confusing. I'm not even going to try to explain it because I'm not even completely sure about it. Anyways, we'll get back into the NHL draft, which is a little bit easier to understand. Uh, when we come back, Brayton Wilson, morning show producer, is going to join me. He's our NHL draft enthusiast, and he has his mock draft on our website at WGR550.com. I'll be joined by him. We'll talk some uh, some prospects, what the Sabres could do at 7. Also, the competition between Jack Hughes and Capo Caco at 1 and 2. It seems like Hughes is going to go first, but uh, it's not a done deal, I would say, yet, by uh, from what I hear from most people. Stay tuned. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi, Brayton Wilson after this here on WGR. It's the Nightcap.
listen, listen, never turn. If you do that, they'll call you Myrtle. Let's go. Let's go. He could dangle, he could score. Who else, Bobby Orr? Let's go. Let's go. Who's the best I often ponder right now? It's Stevie Wonder. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, how she loves the Stanley Cup. Hockey man is what I am. Let's go. Listen, listen to what I say. Play that game the Canadian way. Hockey man is what I am. Let's go. It's the Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Brayton Wilson is joining me to talk some NHL draft. Brayton, you got your mock draft up at WGR550.com. Everybody can check it out there. Um, We're recording this during the day, so there's a possibility that there are some trades, but I would think probably not by tonight. But I'm feeling you you got the logos and everything in here, too, so you're probably going to have to change this around a bunch. No, I really hope not, but... It's probably going to happen, though. I mean, if it happens, I don't mind. It's, It's just, you know... Uh, I would I would love it for it to main, remain this way. I, I mean, unless the Sabers are part of a trade that moves a pick around or something like that. I mean, in that there, case, then sure. I'll, and there was I'll some play. chatter on that. I think Friedman, uh, Elliot Friedman, said last night that uh, the Canucks are trying to move up from ten. I don't really know what that would be for. I was right. thinking maybe that could be Spencer Knight, um, considering what they're. Well, they have Thatcher Demko actually, so maybe uh, they wouldn't do from that. What, from from maybe some speculation, they're trying to maybe target Philip Broberg, the defenseman from Sweden. Okay. So they might want to try and move up because they worry that Edmonton's going to take Broberg with the eighth pick, which I don't know. Off the top of my head, he's the second best defenseman in this draft. Uh, he's, I mean, it's, he could be considered that. I mean, obviously it's Bowen Byram, but then after that, there's like that group of defensemen that it's like uh, Broberg, Soderstrom, Cam York, uh, that group that's kind of all kind of in that same group. Right. Mort Sider's in there as well. You could throw like Thomas Harley in there as well, but... Uh, but yeah, no, Broberg is certainly a guy that is highly touted just because he's a very good skating defenseman and he got that offensive upside to him. I, I would tend to think that's a list of players that you just kind of mentioned there. That's kind of the list I've heard that might be in play for the Sabres at seven. We'll get into them in a second before we get into the guys the Sabres could draft. So Hughes and Kako, it seems like it's pretty much, it's pretty much locked in. I think that Hughes is going to go number one, at least he's starting to the tea leaves are reading that way. If you're the devils at one, are you thinking at all about Kako? I mean, obviously I would have to. I mean, you'd have to do the due diligence in what you think, but I think with what they have and, and how they could build that team, I think that Jack Hughes is probably the better fit for them just because he's a guy that is still young and I think can still fully develop into something that is a, of the terms of not generational, but a, a really good franchise centerman for them, yeah. a number one centerman in the future. Where Kako, right. he can play center, but he's more ideal as a winger. So, I mean, I, I think that that's pretty much all it comes down to is do you want to draft a guy who is a truly a centerman that you can throw on the wing, or do you want to throw uh, draft a guy that – I mean, you could try him at center, but he's more fit to be a winger in this in right. this league. And I think that, I mean, I really like Kapokako. He's more ready to play in the NHL than Hughes is right now. But I think looking at the long term, I think that Hughes is is the one that's more projected to become yeah. that and, top flight centerman in and the NHL. They have Nico Heischer was the first overall pick a couple years ago, yeah. and I like him, but. I don't know. Is he is he the number one center on a team that's going to win the Stanley Cup? Like I, I feel like he might not have that type of upside. Whereas Hughes, 
I don't know, man. I watch him play, and all I think about is, wow, he looks like Johnny Goudreau yeah. out there. Now, yeah. Goudreau's not a center, but I, like his style of play, I just think his stick handling, his speed, his quickness and short bursts, Like I, I, I love that player. Yeah. And I think everyone's going to be talking about tomorrow, hey, you could put Kako at center. You could. Pedersen, I think, got moved to center by Vancouver this yeah, year, I and think I don't so. think anyone thought he was going to. Yeah. But just the center over winger factor, Hughes, to me, just seems like as good as it gets as a prospect. Yeah, and, and I mean, for Jack Hughes, you, you kind of watch him play and the way he handles the puck and he moves the puck and just the plays that he can make. You almost kind of see flashes of Patrick Kane out there. Yeah. And, you know, I think I, I was listening to the Bobcast, uh, TSN's Bob McKenzie, and uh, he was talking with some scouts, and I think the one scout that he said was this is, like, lowest – like, like, I mean, if he pans out in, like, the lowest level, he could be at his Clayton Keller. And Clayton Keller is still a really Keller. good player. Yeah. And, and I wish the Sabres would have been able to draft him when they had the chance, but he was taking one pick before them, and then they took Alex Nylander. But, I mean, Jack <sighs> you Hughes. Had, you had to bring that up. I know, you sorry. Had to bring that he, he just shows flashes of greatness in, in just about every game that he has. And, and here's another good difference that has been brought up before and, and I think fits very true to – how this how you look at Kako versus Hughes. Hughes, when you watch him play, he's been able to have those wow moments for years now. It it wasn't just this year or last year. It was in in the years that he was playing, you know, juniors hockey and and on his way to getting to the US program. Scouts and, and other people were watching him and just saying, wow. Whereas Kako yeah, he's been he's been highly touted for a while, but those those true like wow moments didn't really come until this year, and and, and that's not t- taking a shot at Kako because I think he is the most mature, ready player in the mm-hmm. to play in the NHL this upcoming year with the Rangers or the Devils, let's say. But I mean, Hughes is the guy that still has that high ceiling, and and not to say that Kako doesn't have a high ceiling anymore, but I think that Hughes's ceiling is just that much higher than Kako. Hughes is an American, obviously, and the thing I like about your mock draft is that I just scroll through the top ten. It's like Turkett at three, U.S. National Development Program. Uh, you've got a bunch of other Americans in Z-Gross there. Six, at six. Yeah, Zegras yeah. at six. Caulfield of the Sabres at seven. We'll talk about him in a second. And you've got uh, Boldy at, uh, at nine. Like mm-hmm. This could be four or five Americans in the top ten. Yeah. And I think the record is four, by the way, for the record's four U.S. Uh, whether so that's they're out close, of the, the development program or I can't remember for sure, but mm-hmm. yeah, this this group of U.S. Uh, U.S. development players is really impressive with Turcotte, yeah. Hughes. They probably need Cam York, I think, to enter the top ten to break the record. It looks probably, like probably or, or Boldy. I, I think Boldy would get oh, it right, done. Boldy but, would on the yeah, because yep. he'd be number five. But uh, I mean, certainly the, the the crop of forwards in this group are exceptional. And I would say all of them except Hughes, it seems that there's at least somewhat of a chance, uh, maybe Turkett to a, a lesser extent, but the, the other guys, mm-hmm. there's a chance the Sabres will get a chance to pick them at seven. Right. You have them taking Caulfield. I've been hearing a lot about him. Like It seems like he's one of the more popular ideas among Sabre fans, shorter at 5'7". He gets a lot of Debrinket comparisons. You think that's a fair comparison for him as a player? Certainly, certainly. Maybe he doesn't have the same... Uh, I don't think maybe maybe not the same tenacity as a Debrinket, whereas like Debrinket is not afraid to like, get to the front of the net and create a stir and, and really dig his nose. Kind into, of kind of an instigator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can be that. And, and like, and when he came out, I compared him exactly to Marty St. Louis because St. Louis for years did exactly that at the size that he was, 
and I it almost was an exact same comparison to St. Louis. Whereas Caulfield, I mean, he he can do that, but he's not known for that. He's not known to go and and dig himself into you know a corner and, and get dirty down in the corners and everything like that. Caulfield is just a guy that the puck gets on a stick, something's going to happen, and when that that puck comes off the stick and towards the net. More oftentimes than not, it's it's going in and it's going to be a goal. And I think that at Caulfield, I, I don't know how much of a, a better skater he is than Debrinka, but I still think that he is a better skater than he is. But okay. um, the shot's very similar to Debrinka's. They both can score at will, and, uh, and and the comparison is definitely fair. And that to me, like your future outlook, it's it's tough to do this because you don't know what players really are going to ultimately become. But you just look at like what stylistically that could be. Middle stat. His hands are absolutely filthy, mm-hmm. and you would think if he projects out to be what everyone thought he was going to be at the draft, he's going to be a really good playmaking number two center. Mm-hmm. And Caulfield, while I, th- I don't want to say he doesn't have good hands, I don't think that's where he's like he's not getting drafted seventh overall. I think because of his filthy hands mm-hmm. and his dangles, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's more to that, right? It seems like his his number one asset is his finishing ability, and mm-hmm. like I said, I, th- I think. If you project out long term, if all of these prospects that the Sabres have at the top right now become what they should become, Caulfield sounds like a guy that would fit perfectly with Middlestat long term. Yeah, oh, I mean, or even Jack Eichel. You never know. Maybe right. Eichel's, I mean, because because yeah. Caulfield's probably going to go to Wisconsin and play for at least a year, maybe two, depending on how the development goes with him, and depending on how the Sabres want to approach him and, and yeah. whether they want to bring him out after a year. But let's. Let's hypothetically say Caulfield goes to college next year, comes out after a year. Well, Sam Reinhart's going to be a restricted free agent again. You never know what that future is going to hold for him, whether they re-sign him or whether they trade him away for whatever reason. Most likely a probably be a big contract. Probably, yeah. probably. Or they have to trade him because they can't afford him because they have to pay guys like Delene or pay somebody like Middlestad or mm-hmm. however that goes. But let's just hypothetically say that Reinhart's here. Caulfield's the second line right winger. He's like he's a good ideal right winger on the second line who could eventually jump to that first line right wing. Let's say if Sam Reinhart needs to jump back to center for whatever reason. I don't think that's a good plan or necessarily the right plan, but it, it's certainly an option for them. I think Reinhart's more fitting to be a right winger. I think they've tried him at center a few times. It hasn't gone the greatest. It hasn't gone terribly, but it, it's it's just not ideal. I think that he's more fit to be a right winger, and alongside with Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner, there's your top line. Caulfield might fit in on the second line with a guy like Casey Middlestat and Victor Olofsson on the left side. I think if you have those three on the uh, on a line in, down the road, you're going to have Middlestat just distributing the puck to guys like Olofsson and Caulfield, where Caulfield is a guy who's more likely going to shoot the puck and, and, and find the back of the net than Olofsson. Whereas Olofsson, yeah, he scores and puts the puck in the back of the net, but at the same point, He's a guy that can also be a nice passer and can distribute the puck, especially this year in Rochester where he just, I mean, at the same point he was scoring all these goals and making these great plays, he was distributing the puck and making nice plays just as well. So nightcap with Jody Biasi here. Brayton Wilson joining me for a few more minutes here on WGR. Check out his mock draft on our website at WGR550.com. The 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 guy that I'm hearing everyone refer to as the Russian kid, hmm. which is Vasily Pudkolzin. You have him going 16th, and I don't think – I think. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that's not based on what he is as a prospect. That's the fear that he's going to the KHL for the next two years because, you know, it's tough to – I always hear people like, oh, why is he doing that? He's a North American agent. Well – KHL is going to pay you a lot better 
than an NHL oh, team yeah. is going to an entry level deal. I don't so think, he's going there for two years. I don't years. think they necessarily have a salary cap over there either. They'll I don't just, think they'll yeah. just pay whoever they want. Right. I mean, the the the, the their top team over there, the um, the Red Army or whatever yeah. they're whatever they're called. I mean, they have a ton of good elite talent and. Right. I'm sure they're paying a ton of money. So I've seen him ranked as high as three. Mm-hmm. Now, three, like to me, a lot of people think there's a big drop-off after Kako. So it sounds like to you, you don't think Pud Colson is good enough to take the risk of picking him in the top ten, considering he might not come over for a while. I mean, I certainly, if I'm a team in the top ten, I'm taking a hard look at Pod Colson. I just think that that Russian factor is legit. I think that the Russian factor is taken into consideration. I don't think it's the right way to make a decision based on who you're drafting, but there is always that fear that a player is going to remain over there for more than their contract lasts. And for Pat Colson's case, he's going to play for SK in the, in the KHL for at least two years before coming over to North America. I think it's still the right choice for him. I think he still needs to develop as a professional because a lot of this past year he was playing junior-level hockey, and once he gets to the KHL, he's playing against older men and bigger men, and and the size is completely different. He's playing against guys that are not his age group, and I think that's very important for him. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, a lot of the the year, and and I still think this, I still think he's a top-five player in this draft, a, a, a Based on talent, he's got the complete package. He's he's a very good offensive player. He drives play. He's got a really nice shot. He can distribute the puck with ease and, and with accuracy, too. And I think that he would be a really nice fit for a lot of these teams in the top 10. However, again, there are the teams that do worry too much about the, the players that stay in the KHL or stay in Russia and, and stay longer than they anticipated. Well, but part, part of that is some teams have been burned by that. Who's the kid uh, the Minnesota drafted? Kaprizov? Yeah, but he's a fifth-round pick. Oh, like, he's like he's not pick. he's okay. not a first rounder. He's a guy that just developed into a really solid talent, okay. but has taken his time to come over to the NHL. Now, is he going to come over next year? I I don't know if that's firmly been established or not. But I seen it. but Minnesota has been patiently waiting and patiently you know hoping that Kaprizov makes that decision to come over. But for a guy like Pod Colson, he's he's a top talent in this draft, and I don't think he's going to wait. The two, or I don't think he's going to, you know, be more than two years in order to come over and play in the NHL. But again, there's always that threat, uh, you know. But again, I I think that this is going to affect him. I think that there are going to be teams that stray away from him with this threat. Yeah, it's not, it's not like you haven't fallen. No, the first no, round no, or no. Anything. Of course 16th, not. So. Of course not. And and Colorado, they're in a situation where they're at the 16th pick, and in my mock draft, they have Bo Environment number four. They're going to see it as, we just got the best defenseman in this draft. Let's go get a guy that has fallen off the board, but is still considered one of the best players in this draft, right. period. And I think Pod Colson should be a guy that should be looked at number three by Chicago. I think that he is an exceptional talent that would be able to fit very well in Chicago's organization. I think that the Sabres should look at him at number seven. I think they should really do their homework on Vasily Pod Colson. But again, it's the Russian factor, and that's why I played it in this mock draft where it is a legit thing, and I think it is real, and it shouldn't be because you look at Tarasenko, you look at Kuznetsov, both those guys, they they had that Russian factor, that label attached to them. Mm. They stayed a little longer to play in the KHL. They developed against professionals over there. Yes, it's a bigger ice surface compared to here, but they came over, and within a year they were playing in the NHL, and they were playing really well, and now look at them. They're both Stanley Cup champions within two years. So, I, I again... The Russian factor, I think, is overblown big time, especially with first-rounders. 
I think you shouldn't have to worry about that because, again, with with Pod Colson's case, he has a North American agent. He's going to be likely swayed after those two years to come over to North America. He's going to be suggested that way. Um, but mm-hmm. I have it played out as if it's going to be a factor, and, and I think that he falls to Colorado in this instance. But, again, mock drafts are mock drafts. I may have a guy going 16 like Pod Colson. He could go 7 to Buffalo, or he could go 8 to Edmonton. Or I have a guy that is, you know, going 5th overall who could fall all the way back to 20th. It, it happens with mock drafts oh, yeah. all the time. I will never forget a couple years ago when Boston picked Zachary Sinitian, I think, what, 15th or 16th? 15th, yeah. And I just remember Twitter blowing up with everyone. Like, no one I've seen had him higher than 50. Yeah, and the Bruins just took him in the middle of the first round. Yeah, and Sinitian is an all right player, but obviously, I think now they're starting to realize, okay, he was definitely <laughs> there's a reason a he was talent. ranked as a second rounder. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, but I mean, heck, they had three picks right in yep. a row in the first round. I mean, they had they, they took Zaboral, who hasn't worked out. They took DeBrusque, who's been an extreme success remember, for them. Do you remember who went one pick after those three picks? Uh, it was uh, Matthew Barzell. It was Barzell to the Islanders. And yet they're still amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, quickly, I want to get your thoughts on 31. You have them taking Connor McMichael, which fun, uh, I think, which is funny because it uh, almost sounds like McEichel, but that's Connor McEichel. Another, yeah, the Connor exactly. McEichel. Oh, his first name's Connor too. I didn't even think of that. Uh, he's a center. Mm-hmm. Um, I NHL draft is not like the NFL draft. You don't pick for need. What do you like about McMichael? And for my sake, because I I would like to see them add, I think, a high-level prospect on the defensive core because they don't have a lot of them left in the organization. Right. Other than McMichael, do you see any defensemen around that area that they could take a look at? Yeah, I mean, they certainly there's certainly some options at that defensive group. I mean, you're not really going to – I mean, with this mock draft, I mean uh, – some of the the better defensive options are are taken. I, I saw the one guy you had the Ducks taking with the pick they got from Montour. I yes. did not pronounce his name, so uh, I'm not going to try. It is uh, Tobias Bjornfutt. Oh, I did pretty well there. Yeah, Bjornfutt. Yeah, Bjornfutt. Okay. So, um, I mean, he's obviously an option if the Sabres are there. Bjornfutt's a, a, a good two-way center, uh, centerman. Defenseman. Excuse me, defenseman. Yep. Two-way guy. He plays real strong in his own end. He could contribute offensively. He's kind of a – you could, could – uh, you could qualify him as a quarterback on the power play. Um, but with the um, excuse me, with the 31st pick, I mean, for a guy like Mc, uh, McMichael, I almost said McMichael. <laughs> that's going to happen. I if know. they draft him, that's going to happen. I'm going to probably do it 100 times, let right. alone everybody else. But with McMichael, he's a, he's, a, he's a speedy centerman. He's a guy that has the blazing speed. He's a playmaker. He's got good hands, and he can take the puck to the net, and he's a finisher. I mean, there was a lot of instances this year where, you know, he finds himself open in space. He finds himself with a shot, and more often than not, he's going to put that puck away. I mean, he scored 36 goals this year and 72 points in 67 games with London, and he played relatively well throughout the entire year. Obviously, he's got some room to grow in his game. I think that he's probably got another year at least, maybe two, playing in London to to continue to grow his game. Uh, And then after that, Maybe he comes in and he's a nice solid depth option for the Sabres. I mean, because at that point, you'd obviously probably have McMichael mm-hmm. uh, in the future probably slotted as that third line center right behind Casey Middlestat. But at the same point, he's a guy that, you know, he sees the ice real well. He's got patience with the puck. And uh, and I think that he'd be a really nice depth top nine option for the Sabres moving forward if he falls there. But again, he's a guy that I could easily see going early to mid 20s in the in the first round. We're going to need like a swear jar repurposed for uh Mick Eichel every Mick time Eichel, we say Mick it Michael. I've almost especially said it five if times he's already. taken, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's right. For um, sure. Thanks it would for pile me, up. man. Yeah, no, I'm I'm We'll be happy. Uh, doing coverage tomorrow and yeah. Saturday. 
Happy so everybody to join tune you. in for that. We'll be on uh, tomorrow at seven o'clock. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're getting ready. He, Brayton's more into it this year, I would say, than I am. But I, I'm reading up a lot. We and, uh, we, we might be in for so. a long night tomorrow because of the fact that 31. they might pick with 31, or they might trade out, or they I might like trade that. up. I like that because a lot of times, especially Bills and Sabers, like they pick seventh or eighth, and oh, yeah. there goes the rest of the and night, and then we're done. Right Great. now, we got something else to look forward to yeah. right at the end of the first round. I would rather have the Blues finish 16th, right? But then, right. There's some positives there. Hey, but you know what? There's still plenty of options, and the draft always plays out in a situation where you have a guy that's slotted high, and he falls. Like last year, it was Joseph Valeno. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Who A lot of people had right at the beginning of the year being a top 10 pick. Then as the season went on, his stock dropped a little bit, and he ended up being projected as a mid-range pick. And he ended up falling 30th to Detroit. And Detroit's got themselves a pretty darn good prospect uh, in in the future long term for them. And, they had and a good draft last year. Sabres might have a similar situation to that. Yeah. And maybe they'll trade up to go get a guy that they want, or they'll trade back uh, into the second round because they don't have a second-round pick this year. Maybe they'll acquire some more picks and, and some assets to help them out you know, in that area. But there's certainly a lot of things that can happen, but we'll have you covered completely tomorrow from 7 to God knows whenever the first round is going to end tomorrow. All right. All right, Brayton. Thanks, man. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. More next on the Nightcap. Jody Biasi hanging out here for another half hour here on WGR. Texas center. He's going to go to the Pelicans at 8. All these trades aren't announced yet. You can't announce them yet. Like the guy that the Lakers took at 4, it's not the Lakers pick. The Lakers traded it to the Pelicans, which was then traded to the Hawks. So the guy's wearing a Laker hat, but he's going to be a Hawk. That's the only part of the NBA draft I just don't like. It's way too confusing. Why can't you let him announce these trades? Anyways, we've spoken a lot about the NHL draft tonight, but I want to get into the trade market a little bit as well. Um, I got a little bit on that, but uh, so for some more in-depth analysis on Tampa Bay, who is the team I think that is most commonly talked about uh, along these lines for Ristolainen? Um, Ryan Callahan's name is already always in the mix, and there was a report on him today that he has uh, degenerative back disease, and then he has been recommended to retire, which is pretty convenient for Tampa because they need that cap space. Um Tampa's always been looking at Ristolainen, uh, according to reports, so maybe that could be a team where he ends up going. For more insight on the Lightning, Brian Engblom joined Howard and Jeremy, and uh, he works uh, Lightning TV now. He used to work for NBC, ESPN before that. So here's a little bit of Engblom with the guys for some insight on uh, what Ristolainen to Tampa, uh, how realistic that could be. Waiting to tell us a little bit more about Tampa and what they're thinking is Brian Engblom, the former NHL defenseman, is on the Lightning telecast. He's their TV analyst. Sometimes, he's with us yeah. right now. And sometimes teams decide they want to get a little tougher, a little bit meaner. Pittsburgh yep. just went through this and went the wrong way. Yeah. Um, and Tampa, what? Brian, is it a crisis of identity after that first-round exit? Um, I don't think so. I don't think they're going to panic, guys. Um, they had a, an historic season. Absolutely fabulous. You can't do any better than that. Um, I just think that they just never got in the right gear mentally. Uh, in, in the playoffs, they created a monster in uh, Columbus pretty quickly and couldn't turn that around. I mean, it, it shocked them. I think their confidence level was there early on in the series, and then all of a sudden you could see that they did panic, like, oh, my goodness, we, we can't get our game going. 
So there was a realization there and a smack up the side of the head that's going to stay with them all the way until next April, until they improve something new. Do you think, um, to Jeremy's initial question, Brian, do you think there is an element of wanting to add, like Ristolainen certainly is known for playing a, a tougher, more physical game back there, right? Do you think there is an element of that that the Lightning are trying to add? I think that it would be a valuable thing, yes. Um, I think that they're looking at that. I think that they're looking at size. I don't think that they value size over everything else. Uh, there has been talk that they have it didn't have enough of it uh, over the last couple of years in the playoffs when things really got ramped up physically. Uh, so I think that certainly is, is there. Uh, it's probably, you know, I don't know if it's in the front of their mind, but it's certainly there. Uh, the physical aspect of the game, uh, playing defense in today's game for the most part, it doesn't have to be about running at players, although I will with the caveat of how the finals were played between Boston and St. Louis. I don't think teams are going to try to recreate what St. Louis did, though. And, and I think Tampa Bay in particular is not a team that can all of a sudden say, well, we're going to run people out of the building. That, that It's not going to happen. They don't have that philosophy. They don't have the, the structure on the team in order to do that. And they're not going to panic and try to go in a completely different direction. So that's definitely not going to happen. Having said that, everybody's looking for balance. And you guys, I know we're talking specifically about Ristolainen as everybody else is. I'm, I'm a fan of, of the guy. Um, I think that he has terrific skills. I think he's been through an awful lot. And being a former defenseman myself, I know what can happen, to, especially to young guys on teams that are struggling and giving up an awful lot of goals um, year after year, and you're getting the majority of the ice time. That's a, that's a really tough thing. I think it's more difficult than being the goaltender. I mean, you just you can't sort it out after a while. So I think that a change of a venue for Ristolainen would be excellent for him uh, wherever he goes. And I'm going to be really interested to see what happens here moving forward. Do you look at him? Do you view him as a top two defenseman in the NHL? Do you view him as a guy who shouldn't be out there for 25 minutes, but he's okay in a 3-4 pairing? Well, I think he's definitely easily a 3-4. I think that he can be a a number two defenseman, depending on, you know, who you're playing with. Um, And, you know, the style of play, as, as we said. Uh, I think it might take him a little while to adapt to a new team. Again, on defense, it's really difficult. There are a lot of changes in how teams play um, overall, and it affects the defenseman. How do you want me to move the puck, and uh, what are the priorities? And to play with the with the Tampa Bay Lightning, you get to play with a lot of skilled players. You got to play with tempo. You got to move the puck quickly. And, um, and on on the good side of things. There is more structure, and there is more puck possession. So a guy like him wouldn't have to sort things out as constantly defensively and wonder what he's doing out there. Um, if, and again in this scenario, if because he's right-handed, if he played with Victor Hedman, I would say he'd be in a pretty different situation yeah. than he's ever been with the Buffalo Sabres. And I think uh, he'd be licking his chops if he got a chance to do that. With with young defensemen, Brian, you mentioned it a moment ago since you played the position in the NHL. So Ristolainen's only 24, but he's got five and a half years in the league. He's been in the league for over 400 games. Now, I, granted, this is all part of this, this question I'm going to ask. It has to do with what team are you on, 
you know, how are you used, who are the players around you. But with five and a half years with 400-plus games, do you think you pretty much know who a defenseman is, or do you believe that there's still you can still improve significantly? Uh, yes, I think, I think yes to both. Um, it's amazing that he's got that many games under his belt when he's only 24 years old. I mean, he's right in his prime right now. That, that is an, that's an amazing stuff. Um, at the same time, again, you know, based on what I said a moment ago, just theoretically because we're talking about uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, mm-hmm. and the talent level that they have and the fact that pretty well every coach, and John Cooper has been one of those guys that said, I prefer lefties on the left than righties on the right. And they've had issues with having enough right-handed defensemen. Um, that's, you know, why everybody's talking about this here. And because Dan Girardi, who played with Hedman, um, is likely not going to be back. I mean, they might mm-hmm. resign him, but even if he does, it does come back, he's not going to be there on a regular basis. He can't stand the minutes that Hedman can. Ristolainen can. So, again, that's why the fit that everybody's, you know, putting there uh, the question is the price, and it's always about the price, isn't it, guys? Would would Tampa move Mikhail Sergachev? Uh boy, I I don't know. Not easily, for sure. Uh, they wouldn't do it easily. I don't know if they do it defenseman for defenseman. Uh-huh. I I'm not sure about that, to be honest with you. Um, he is left-handed. He plays the right side. I actually think he's better on the right side than he is on the left, and he's played a lot of right side. He wants to be that guy that plays with Victor Hedman, for sure, for the reasons we just talked about. Um, I never say never. I think virtually you know, most of the guys on the team are, are, uh, are available. I think in today's game and with the lightning and the way the, uh, the uh, salary cap affects their team this year, with having to re-sign Braden Point, and that'll be a big number. Mm-hmm. They have to clear some space. Now, they wouldn't clear any space financially with Sergachev because he's still a young kid on an mm-hmm. early contract, so that's not an issue. So I would say that they would be very, very reluctant to move him, but it's certainly not an impossibility. They said nothing's uh, off the table, I don't think. I wanted to ask you about a couple forwards, Brian, before we let you go. So you know, with the rumors of the Sabres in Tampa, uh, let's say it was Ristolainen for a forward. We're hearing a couple names out there. Now, a number of guys have no trade and no move clauses. One of the names we're hearing is J.T. Miller. He's got a modified no trade, uh, 26 years old, what, I think four years of term left, a little over five, almost a dollars for dollars compared to Ristolainen's cap number. What have you thought about J.T. Miller's time in Tampa, and how would you look at that as a possible trade with the Sabres? Uh, well, obviously, I don't speak for the management. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a J.T. Miller fan. I, I think he has been terrific ever since they acquired him. This guy has got some serious skills and is often overlooked on the team um, because of the other skill level of, of the other players. But he facilitates an awful lot of great plays. He's really, really good in traffic. He's really good in the corners. He's really good at hanging on to the puck and bringing two guys to him, not just one, before he makes a play to, to players who know how to get open. Um, he's a hard-nosed player, and uh, he's got some terrific hands. He's got power play experience. Um, I think that uh, he is, uh, uh, has been a terrific acquisition. He and McDonough were brought in at the same time you know, from the New York Rangers, and McDonough was the guy everybody was talking about, and for good reason. But J.T. Miller is a heck of a hockey player. The other name is Ryan Callahan, 
And you, you talked a moment ago about, you know, financial relief. There's speculation that a trade would include Ryan Callahan, who's got one year left at $5.8 million. Has he, you know, I, I know we'd be talking about a guy on a bottom line with not getting a ton of minutes, but does he have, his body has taken a pounding in his career. Does he have any hockey left? Yes, I think he does. Um, the cap hit is that high. What he actually makes this year financially is actually a little less. I think it's in the fours, like four and a half or something. But yeah, the cap hit obviously is significant for for the Lightning, especially. And because he wasn't playing regularly at the end of the season, because they are so deep, um, because of the tempo that the Lightning play at um, and the options that they had, that put Cali on the sideline, um, and he was terrific about it. He's a terrific pro. I mean, his former captain of the New York Rangers, you guys know his history. I think there's still a lot of hockey left in him. He is he is one of the biggest voices in the room for the Tampa Bay Lightning about, you know, get, he, he has that ability to get in the guy's face. Not many guys do that anymore and go, hey, you know, let's get going here and let's get playing the right way and, and uh, that sort of uh, situation. So, He's very valuable on a lot of different levels. Yes, he has slowed down, and yeah, because of the way he plays, he's not that big a guy, but it, it doesn't matter. If, if uh, Callahan is in the lineup, you get every ounce of effort and strength that he has every night. Ryan, thanks for coming on with us. Nice to have you on the show again. Thank you for giving us your time this morning. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. Brian Engblom, I'm with the morning guys, and... They asked him about Sergachev there. He doesn't really think that it's going to happen. Um, there have been, what was it, uh, Pierre Lebrun speculated that if I'm the Sabres and I'm trading Ristolainen to the Lightning, well, guess what I'm asking for? I'm asking for Mikhail Sergachev. I agree with that. I'll ask for him. But I think he's a really good young defenseman. One of those defensemen that you really scratch your head at, like, what was Tim Murray thinking in 2016 when he picked Alex Nylander eighth overall? When he had two really good defensemen sitting on the board. Sergachev right after. McAvoy just a few picks later. Two really good young defensemen. McAvoy's better than Sergachev, but Sergachev's good. I think he's really good. I think he's probably not going to be a number one defenseman in this league, but a number two. He he actually reminds me, his weaknesses remind me of Ristolainen. The difference is he's only 20 and he's already got more offense to his game. So at worst, you're getting a younger, cheaper, more offensive version of uh, what you already have in Ristolainen, which I like the I like the idea of that NBA draft rolling along, they gotta change this tra- this trade stuff. They have to. It's so stupid. You got young players that I assume this is their dream come true. Um, it, Zion Williamson's crying on the stage. Uh, R.J. Barrett's crying on the stage. So you see what it means to these guys and their big moment. They have to go up on the stage, shake hands with the commissioner, and they have to put on the hat of the team that they know they're not going to. Like, what's the point? Those are pictures those guys are going to have framed, I'm, I'm assuming, in their houses for life. Moments that they're going to have for life, and they are wearing the wrong hats, and everyone knows they're wearing the wrong hats. you got to fix that. However, the situation is that these teams are trading with each other, and they're not allowed to announce it. It benefits them to not announce it. That's the part that needs to be changed. The mechanics need to be worked somehow so that you don't have these guys going up for their big moment and the kid who's getting drafted by the Pelicans goes up on stage, and here's a Hawks hat for you. Like, come on. NBA usually does pretty well with that kind of stuff. They usually get with the program pretty quick with that kind of stuff. But um, it's been a couple years like this, and still no changes. So I wonder if they'll do anything on that front. If enough people complain about it, I'm sure they will. 
And I'm seeing a lot of social media stuff about that. 803-0550 is the phone number. Last call in the nightcap after this. We'll, I got, uh, we did our Sabre draft today on the afternoon show where we all picked Sabre players or hockey players that aren't in the organization based on whether we think they'll be in the opening night lineup. I won this last year, and I'll read you through my team real quick. Let me know what you think on it. But also, I want to go through my board because I do think I do think there's a pretty there's like there's t- different tiers I think at this point of likelihood to be on the team. There's a lot more questions I think on what the Sabers opening night lineup looks like than there was last year. And I think I found that out doing this draft tonight. I'll expand on that when we come back. It's the nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Last call on the nightcap, Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Nothing really too exciting going on in the NBA draft. No big trades. We had our Saber draft today. Our Saber opening night draft. Me, Shope Bulldog, Derek Kramer. I won this last year. And I think I, I like my team the most. I think I would be uh, honest enough to say I didn't like my team the most if I didn't. But uh, I like it. Reinhardt is money. Montour will be here. Oposo ain't going anywhere with that contract. Sherry could, but uh, probably not. I don't think he has enough value to be traded, and he's under contract, and he's good enough. So I think he's here. Scandella is the one I'm worried about the most. Uh, R2 Rootsalainen is another one that uh, I think will probably be here. Paul mentioned a couple weeks ago when he was on that he has a similar contract to Victor Antipin. So if Rootsalainen, if the Sabres try to send him to Rochester, his team in Europe has the option to take him back. And if the Sabres actually value him in any way, and even if it's close, they might keep him up here. So I think there's a really good chance of that. Um, Nylander, I'm not, I, I picked him with my second last pick. I'm not optimistic on that. I don't like him as a player. I don't like him as a prospect. But he was a first-round pick, and there might be some pressure on him to finally make the NHL in, what is this, year four now? You can't spend four years in the AHL. You, you just can't. So maybe they would have him up here just because even. And then Zach Bogosian, um, I think I'm more worried about the injury than the trade part of it. Now there's a the Vancouver rumor, of course, that that could happen. But uh, I, uh, I'm i okay with that as my last pick. Like Bogosian has a bad contract. There's only one year left on it. I don't see him having that much value. And if they trade Ristolainen, which might even be likely at this point, uh, Bogosian's probably here. Right shot D, I don't think he's all that good, but what are you looking at otherwise if Ristolainen's off your team on the right side? You have Montour, which is good, and Casey Nelson's a solid third-pair guy, I think. But other than that, like unless I'm forgetting somebody, I don't think you have another guy. Darlene likes to play his offside, but they kind of went away from that last year, so I think he's more uh, inclined to play on the left. So I could see Bogosian being back here just because of the need for a right-shot defenseman. Unless, of course, you know, if they got one back for Ristolainen, then I would change that. But if uh, if one's got to go, one's got more value, and I think Bogosian was a really nice late-round pick there. I mean, the other guys, that's where they went with their their uh, out-of-town picks. Jonas Donskoy, Nikolai Ehlers, Joe Pavelski. Bogosian might not be in the lineup opening night because he's injured, but I think I'm getting at least a point out of that. Anyways, you can listen to that. That's on demand at WGR550.com, as well as my full show, which will be up there in just a few minutes. NHL draft coverage all night tomorrow. Me and Brayton Wilson will be on from 7 o'clock all the way through to 11. Um, 
and even longer, I guess, if the Sabres GM and coach or whoever's speaking tomorrow uh, goes a little bit longer. We'll have full coverage of the NHL draft from we, – we won't be in Vancouver, but the draft is in Vancouver. Paul will have him on the station. He is in Vancouver. Um, that'll all be coming to you tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Tomorrow is draft day. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Enjoy your night, and have a good one. It's Jody Biasi here on the Nightcap on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.